This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. You are listening to the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm joined in the studio with the Besotted Podcast, Robin Hood, McMichael and Dave XG Anderson. And let me tell you, as you heard the intro music, Dave was dancing, Rob was dancing. Uh, I was air guitaring as you well. You was air guitaring. So I had the drums you. out. Not just because they like the music, but I've got a feeling we all have in the studio that the B team are becoming the A team because Robin and Dave feel like they've had their fair share of League Cup games. They are looking at first team football <laughs> they have not only taken over this hour they're taking over besotted let me tell you watch out well it's been a quiet week in and around griffin park but not for some of the bees players and certainly not for besotted brentford have had a few international call-ups which we will look at following their weekend exploits as well as reviewing a fascinating podcast by besotted featuring a guest that knows a thing or two about the ins and outs of the club we will also be looking at the upcoming fixtures what can the bees expect from the next three games and furthermore we'll be speaking to James Tippett about his cracking new book and talking all things stats which as I'm going to say is very lucky because Dave here old XG he knows a thing or two about stats I've got to say Dave I can admit it I feel like we're in a safe place here yep. I've missed you mate it's been two weeks I've missed you too Charlie oh yes it's a blossoming <laughs> bromance but I can go home I can end this show I'll, I'll leave you guys to it cheers Robin <laughs> thanks mate if you just honestly find yourself at the break just taking five minutes and me and Dave we, we can continue we, yeah we don't need football yeah <laughs> Keep football out of football, as we say. (laughs) This is it. Well, the real football returns, obviously, this weekend. Brentford take on Reading. We'll be doing a little look at that game as well, because both teams are in form. Maybe both teams didn't want that international break. But firstly, it was the international break. How are you both? Robin? I'm I'm never the biggest fan of international breaks. Um, It's it's a time where the the routine gets a little bit messed up. Mm. You're going, looking through the stats, looking through uh, the team that you're playing, the the opposition players, their form, that kind of thing. And that just all goes completely out the window. But I had a nice, I'm a nice little international break. Uh, went to uh, see the, the Joker film. Went to Twickenham Stadium on Saturday to see Barbarians with Barbarians, Fiji. Yeah. Really, really nice. good. Um, and just want to do a little shout out as well to the best wet lambooner in West London. Uh, Edward the Headwood of a besotted uh, regular does the best lambooner in West London. And having uh, tried that uh, with a few mates on Friday night, I can absolutely guarantee that. 
I'm, I'm yeah. yeah. Well, it was <laughs> Sorry for making you hungry. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm absolutely starving now. That sounds yeah. really good. Well, well, we'll did did he to... tell you about this on the day? No, day? no, I've not heard it, a thing. It's, it's no good. Two days later, Robin. <laughs> well, I mean, what's all this about now? Three days. I'll, 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 we'll, we'll get him on. Get, we'll get him on sometime, and we'll bring him in. Yeah, Lambuna in pocket. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when does the eating part take? When can we and Dave? Yeah, fantastic, mm, Robin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Boona, Boona Radio. Yeah, this um, is it. But Boona with Besotted. Oh, This is what I'm here for. This is what I'm here for. And obviously, Dave, international football. Mm. I just, I don't know if you're a fan. I want to ask if you're a fan. But you know, Robin said there. You know, it mixes up the routine, and there's only so much of Macedonia v Andorra I can take, <laughs> or England v Kosovo. In yeah, 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 well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a weird time. I mean, I'm, I'm not overly excited by the international break. It's, it's okay. I don't mind it. I'm not, I'm not a fanatic. Like uh, if Billy was here, he absolutely loves the international stuff. But I'm not quite as. Uh, quite as interested in that but I think now I guess we're getting to the stage where we're actually worried about our players coming back okay I think before we, this would be a recuperation period but now they're sort of travelling all over the world we've got to think uh, yeah can they get through unscathed and we've got a couple playing tonight that we're hoping sort of yeah we, we can't afford to lose them at the moment the squad's looking thin but yeah a little bit of an inconvenience good time to sort of catch your breath um, yeah suspensions or injuries or just a little bit of recuperation time but really it's a bit of a it's a bit of a pain yeah let's talk about that because I feel like I've contributed to this because this will now be Robin Hood's Merry Little Roundup featuring Little day, yes, it's, uh, yes for the for the on. second time in three weeks. We brought it back. We, we didn't have time to sort a jingle, though. We'll have to sort a jingle for I'm, the next I'm time. I'm on that. If you two are really, if this is like cemented first team football now, I'm going to get on a jingle for this section. So, so I've got a couple of mates in music. They'll they'll help me out. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna swing Robin Hood's merry little roundup over to Little Dave to start off with, just because he's been looking at some of the um the various international players we've had out. Uh, uh, over the international break, I have yeah. So back by popular demand, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 that's right. Yeah, let's get straight into it then. So uh, Dalsgaard, he is yeah, awesome right back. He's captaining Denmark tonight, which is just incredible stuff to see. Um, We've now got it on as well, so we'll yeah, keep you yeah, posted. It's with on, that. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, well, I don't want to sort of give allegiance to. Him, but he scores a left-footed well. volley from forty <laughs> yards out, and we all go get yeah. just the yeah. forty, Robin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, early in the week, um, he didn't actually get on the pitch against Gibraltar. They uh, Denmark beat Gibraltar six nil absolute tonking win um, he was rested on the bench it looks like this is the important one tonight um, sort of top spot Ireland no messing there and they sort of want to play their best team tonight uh, same with Norgard as well he was on the bench against Gibraltar we were kind of hoping that he might might get on for his uh, senior debut but he didn't quite get off the bench there which is I mean he probably fancied himself to score your team's scoring six past Gibraltar that would have been a great place to make your make your debut um, those are the Danish guys you've got Cameron Mococcio 90 minutes for the Bufana Bufana in the African Cup of Nations qualifying that's uh, South Africa in, uh, in normal money um, they beat Sudan 1-0 which is a good win for them they're, uh, they're riding high in that uh, actually I think that's one of their early wins actually I don't think they've been doing too well but they've got a win under their belt now uh, Pontus Janssen centre back he's sort of flying all over the place for Sweden he's not getting on the pitch though I mean he's involved with these setups. Uh, he's kind of just there waiting in the wings but just can't get himself into the starting lineup, which is it's a shame but I guess he's getting a rest and he's I, not well is he though because you mm. say he's racking up the air miles he so is. he's still doing the travelling you know and this can play a part can't it it Dave? can do yeah, yeah. I mean it's, it's just all load isn't it it's, it's fatigue when they could be sort of at home resting maybe mm. training minimally but so he is travelling away and he's yeah I mean they have to try and probably get them quite intense in case he is needed so so he's not getting that downtime, but 
he's not playing game minutes, so that's the only thing we can cling on to there. Uh, Zambarek, he is 18 years old, just flying like a check under 19s, doing really, really well. And I think as this season goes on, we might need him to sort of keep us afloat until January, um, sort of on the wide positions or central as well. He's had a really eventful week, uh, scored in a three-all draw, his first goal for the check under 19s against Holland, which is awesome. And uh, they played Mexico as well in a 2-1 win. So a really good week for Zambarek over in international stuff. Jean Vier, Julian Jean Vier, he is turning into a bit of a hothead, but keeping it cool for Guinea. They beat Namibia uh, 2 0, which is really good for them. Um, yeah, Jean Vier sort of called him a hothead. He's got himself into a little bit of a spot of bother in the last few weeks. He's actually going to be suspended for three games. He's, um, yeah, it's something, he was a little bit wild in a couple of these games recently. And I, I, saw, I saw the highlights back. So basically, just contextually, mm. um, in the dying embers of the game against away, the 3 0 win away at Wigan, he was involved in a bit of a fracas uh, mm. where he got um, he got sent off. I didn't. The cameras don't really show why or how. Um, and none, no, no, one was at the, no one who was at the game seems to know why. Seems, seems to know why, rather. Mm. So it's an, yeah. A, d- a disappointing uh, way to lose a player for three games and yeah but th- thankfully uh, what's good about that is that he's actually got some minutes away on international duty as well yes. which is always which is always good to see because if they're not if they're going not going to be playing for us uh, in the in the immediate weekend following the international break it's good that they've actually got away and got some minutes elsewhere yeah keeping it ticking over but yeah we're going to be out without him for a while which is going to be really frustrating so it's time for Pinnock to step up really centre back position uh, skipping on to Ellery Balcom uh, under 21s now he's been promoted to uh, they beat Albania 3-1 Balcom didn't get off the bench which is unfortunate but he may get off the bench tomorrow night against Den- uh, sorry Netherlands. They're playing tomorrow night, Tuesday, depending on when you listen to this. Um, that could be that could be yeah a real impressive, bon- impressive moment for Brentford. It's sort of a keeper playing in the under 21s for England is just awesome to is awesome to hear. He's behind Ramsdale at the moment, who's Bournemouth's number one. So we just got to hope he can sort of dislodge him. That'd be quite quite good to see if he does that. And uh, another one that sort of keeps one of my favourite players it's Reese Coles you always keep an eye on him I don't know about his long term for uh, Brentford future it's not looking amazing there but out on loan at Partick Thistle they're in the Scottish Championship and they were in the Scottish Challenge Cup v Stenhouse Muir and <laughs> there was a tonking win they beat them 4-1 uh, Reese Cole got a goal and two assists and he plays in that side with Kenny Miller who is a Rangers and Celtic legend not many players have played for both Rangers and Celtic Kenny Miller has and uh, Reese Cole's sort of learning and seeing him Kenny Miller's 39 years old and still um, doing the business I, I how he's still playing he's, it's just ridiculous isn't I, remember it? Scott, I, I just remember him back when he was sort of in his early 20s he yeah. scored that, that amazing goal I think it was for Wolves against um, Man United, Man United. Oh, gosh, yeah, that yeah, one yeah, win. and I was just thinking oh that's actually him it's not his son or it's anything because like, <laughs> <Kenny, laughs> when you watch yeah. it in black and white from 1983 <laughs> and yet he is still playing in the Scottish Championship uh, yeah. who else XG and uh, yeah there's so many I can't get them all but lastly it's another one I'm going to just quickly touch on Canis Carroll so he's quite an interesting player we bought him from Oxford earlier last year and um, we're not weren't sure where he's going to play so he's really really versatile I looked at him as thought thought he was a centre back can play right back he's been playing defensive midfield for Carlisle um, on loan just can play anywhere and uh, unfortunately Carlisle manager Steve Presley's just been let go so can he where, where he plays after this is going to be sort of up in arms but he's another one that is doing really well uh, really well out on loan and uh, yeah one to keep an eye on and who knows what his uh, what his future might be at the club indeed 
And let's talk about a certain player who seems to be making headlines on loan at AFC Wimbledon. Uh, it's a big talking point for AFC Wimbledon. It's a big talking point for Brentford. They want him back. AFC Wimbledon do not want to let him go. And play of the month, Robin. Yeah, uh, Marcus Force has been named officially named the EFL Young Player of the Month for October. So that's not just across League One. That's across the whole, the whole EFL, mm. which is absolutely fantastic. I don't like this because whenever something like this happens, <laughs> it always causes something wrong, something to go wrong. When it is whenever historically, whenever a Brentford player is one player of the month or the manager's one manager of the month it's led to a, a drop in form or an injury or something along those lines touch wood fingers crossed uh, and all things all, th- all things willing uh, force <laughs> remains on course to um, continue uh, I was going to try and go for a triple pun um, but no but it already uh, went wrong you said he won player a month then you couldn't get the pun in <laughs> exactly yeah so that, well, th- thankfully we've got that out of the way that's the mistake <laughs> that's the thing that's caused but no force um, well deserved from the sounds of it it's not just it doesn't just seem to be his goal scoring exploits it's his general attitude and, mm. and, and work rate that's really impressing the AFC Wimbledon fans so yeah absolutely delighted for him be well, well this is the thing and you mentioned it there it's not just player of the month for Wimbledon or in that league this is the EFL player of the month this is a you know let's be honest this is a good achievement this is a prestigious award you know you see him lighting it up Robin do you think I know we're in good form but is, does he have a re- uh, recall clause I'm not sure of this we're not entirely sure we're not entirely sure okay, I, right. think he, I thought I was out the yeah, loop but no no I think there is something they can, they can get him back if they want to I think that's what it's sounding like yeah, yeah do you do. want him back well, at the moment, if Watkins gets injured, we're a bit stuffed. Uh, we've, we've got mm. Boimo that can that can potentially play up front. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it'll be a case of depending on Watkins and injuries, uh, he'll stay at AFC Wimbledon. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned about you've got players under 19s, under 21s. You've got players doing it, that, uh, you know, in lower leagues. You know, the next crop that you know, the next prospects mm. coming through, Dave. This is a very promising time going into the new stadium next year. Yeah. You know, this is this bodes well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So we're we're one of the smartest clubs around. So we've been really doing really well with this B team not that you're biased no 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 sorry (laughs) unbiased opinions only here Yeah, no biases involved here but yeah smart. we're we're playing the long game basically we looked at that sort of B team group between sort of 16 and 19 and thought let's just let's just establish that players that are dropping out of the game all sort of coming through let's develop them and let's uh, let's get them ready so you've got all these other clubs who are sort of selling their stadiums and can't buy any players whereas we're just sort of building a base and growing and growing so yeah great stuff coming forward from us I'm pretty sure yeah well uh, foundations to be built on it looking good for Brentford's future Talking of the future, Thomas Frank, what is he doing? His plans there. We we know he made an appearance on the Besotted podcast. That was brilliant. Mm. That was two parts there. And we're going to be uh, hearing a little bit more what he had to say next. You're listening to the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm joined in the studio with the Besotted Podcast, Robin Hood, McMichael and David, Dave XG Anderson, where we were just talking about the players going on international duty, how well they're doing and how many call-ups Brentford actually have. And it's brilliant to see some of them are in action tonight. We'll keep you across that. But now, though, I heard you had a very interesting guest, uh, Robin, on the pod, Tommy the Bee. Yeah, so for those of you who won't have listened to it or won't have heard, um, uh, the Besotted crew gathered in... Uh, um, uh, the Red Line Pub and Barnes, fantastic um, hosts as always, and uh, we had a, we had a new guest on. His chap, his chap called Tommy the Bee. He seemed to know a couple of things about it. Um, what we didn't realise, we, we, I'm joking, we all realised. Um, Thomas Frank was uh, kind enough, uh, and the club was kind enough to make an appearance on the Bizotted podcast. If you haven't uh, checked it out, uh, I'd highly advise listening to it, both parts one and two. We'll be covering part two today, but it was an absolutely fascinating listen, uh, directly from the directly from in, direct insights from someone who is just so in 
integral to not just the way the club is the club is run and the club is uh, the foundations that the club is built on, but the way in which the, it affects the players, the fans. It was absolutely fascinating, and, and his answers, the stuff that he talks about, was absolutely fascinating. And we're going to get back onto it uh, today. Yeah, let's talk about the first one. And the first clip we're going to uh, play you is Thomas Frank talking about uh, the trust in the team. I think one of the the big things I think in, in football and life, of course, especially in football, is you know it's it's all about trust. Um, and if you don't trust each other, you can't can't work together. So I knew that uh, me coming in from 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 Denmark, another country, coming into to club as as a coach from the outside, that's been a head coach before. I knew I need to work extremely hard to to earn that trust. Um, and you can only do that uh, by building good relationship. And I I, ca- I can't praise Dean and, and Richard enough for being so welcoming to me and I lived in their house the first first week I went here um, and they just did everything they could to, um, to to make me feel welcome I think we all have different skill set players and all, all, all coaches uh, and hopefully we are um, slightly uh, different uh, to get the best out of um, out of each other and I think um, the way I'm I'm thinking maybe I was slightly more um, structured or slightly more very you know everything I'm thinking about when I'm trying to um, to make a training drill is, is that it need to be linked to uh, to the style of play um, so those two bits was maybe the the bit where I standed um, where, where I stood out or where I do, did things differently uh, because Dean and Richard still had top training drills and still top but I was just so that's maybe the, the way I've been brought up on my uh, way of thinking. Yeah, of course, that special guest, Tommy the Bee, being Thomas Frank, the manager. Brilliant that you got him on, on the podcast. And in two parts, he was just mentioning there, and we mentioned the buzzwords he uses, together, uh, um, I've got trust, uh, strong, strong yeah. strategy. You know, there are a few words that he always mentions. He talks about structure there, Robin. I want to ask you, has he provided more structure then to this first team? Uh, absolutely. I think he, I want, um, structures are quite a sort of... Um, it's, it's difficult to define structure because different people work in different ways. It's quite subjective as to how people like to be organised and things like that. What I will say is that I think it's quite it's, it's a lot clearer the way he wants uh, his team to play compared to previous managers. I think sometimes with previous managers, they sort of um, their style was was a bit inconsistent. Uh, the team was a little bit inconsistent. I think uh, this year he's very 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 set on the way in which he wants us to play. I think he's he's certainly a, he's far more meticulous. I think than Dean Smith was. He's far more sort of. Uh, specific in how he wants certain things done uh, but yeah I, I don't know what your, th- your thoughts are Dave but I, th- I think he's certainly provided a bit more structure yeah no you're definitely onto something so if we just go back a couple of managers we look at Warburton Warburton was all about chaos the game was frantic it was about attacking um, just just basically wild play really just ultra attacking Smith was a slightly drawn back version of that also very very attacking still very attacking not so much interest in the defensive side of the game and then if we go to Frank Frank is like the complete opposite he's much more about games being controlled from start to finish whereas you're not giving up like sort of huge chances you're not you're not everyone's not being pushed forward unnecessarily mm. you're actually looking more about sort of controlling the spaces and that's what you really I think that's what you kind of think about structure you generally think of defensive structures defensive solidity and it's um it's how quickly or how little can you be pulled out of your defensive shape and defensive structure and Tom this 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 side we've seen this year is it's so miles ahead of anything we've ever done defensively it's actually really impressive to see it's, it's in the numbers it's you can just see it when you're watching everything indicates that uh, the structure he's built is 
just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and we mentioned the, the buzzwords, one of them being trust, Robin. How, how important do we feel that trust is in Thomas Frank's setup? Well, I think it should, it, should, it should really be intrinsically part of it, uh, part of any foundation, any any successful foundation. People need to trust each other. You need to have the backing uh, of your peers, of the fans, of the people that um, can essentially hire or fire you. And I certainly do think he has that. But that he has that trust, um, not just in. Uh, he doesn't just have the trust from uh, the powers that be, just from the players. But I think he also trusts the strategy. He also trusts the system. We'll get onto that sort of a little bit more later on. But he certainly, to me, does seem to have this sort of. He's really bought into what Brentford Football Club is all about. He's been here, but he's been with us for th- over three years now. Um, half of, half of that time, he's been the head coach, and he, he he's he's really sort of he's really got behind it. He may he may not necessarily agree with everything that goes on in terms of strategy, but he trusts what the uh, the system tells us, what the numbers tell you. And yeah, I think I, I I think he's I think trust is absolutely essential. And um, but then then again, trust is essential to anything that you do, mm. whether it's uh, relationships, whether it's work, whether it's you know sitting here at the radio, at a radio station. You like you you have to you have to be fully bought into what um what what the overall message is and what the overall vision is of the club well this is what Brentford give you you may think football is life advice love guru Robin Hood McMichael there there's relationships I could learn a lot from this show Monday <laughs> Monday through Friday yeah. there, there we go well look you mentioned that he's been with the club you know obviously over three years uh, half of that time as head coach Dave could could he be doing more though um, if, if, if Brentford did have a different strategy in place uh, maybe I, I think any manager well yeah any head coach could I, I I think there was a period where I was sort of worried whether he was getting enough out of this team and I think they were sort of transitioning into what we're seeing now and yeah there was a little bit up and down but I I guess any coach if you if you gave them better tools they'd probably do a better job but it's whether they're doing the best job with what they've been given and I think we're kind of starting to see that he is now I think there was a period where we weren't sure and it was um it was basically when Jensen was in the side it was all about dropping (laughs) Jensen really if I'm just gonna get to long and short of it he he wasn't good enough to start and he isn't at the level to start games consistently yet but he might he'll get there and as the season develops but yeah he I, I, yeah, to answer your question, I say yes, I guess. <laughs> I, mean, I, I must, I must confess, there were times where I didn't trust what Frank was doing with the side, um, and I'm happy. Has to he won you, won you over? Not now. entirely yet. No, okay. it's, it's still some way to go with that. I think um, you should never be entirely comfortable and satisfied with with um, a manager in the same way that with the player should always expect more, should always want more. Um, I think he certainly he 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 made the switch a little bit too late for me from the three at the back to the four three three. It's shown to to benefit the side, the players more. Um, so, but I think there's still that I. I I, I completely trust Franks as a person. I think he's very, very honest. I think he's very. Uh, I like his meticulous style. I think he's got a very, very um, unique, slightly quirky personality that certainly appeals to the more um, the, the more bonkers football fan, shall we say? Um, I I think what we need is a really good, consistent run of results across uh, across long term, rather than sort of these purple patches uh, and then negative patches that Brentford Football Club seem to go on. Once he's done that, I think consistently over a season. Which is why, again, I'm saying not I'm not quite 100 percent Thomas Frank yet. Is until until then, uh, until that, I'm not 100 percent buying. But I'm, he's he's winning me over bit by bit in terms of his selection process, his decision making, and also the results. It's a results business, and he's certainly doing well there. Dave, would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I would. I think I would. I think in the long term, I mean, we're seeing a big improvement. That's what I was sort of touching on at the beginning of the season. The formation wasn't right, but I, th- I think in the podcast he did he did mention that he was kind of protecting the side and didn't want to change too much. And like sort of the three at the back, it gives you extra solidity. So. I think that there were reasons, there were obviously things that that were behind the slow uptake. I think we just probably expect things to happen a bit quicker or sort of, why are you not doing this now? Instead of, they're probably a bit more stick to their guns a little bit and see something through or there's, they were masking something in the side. So 
Overall, I, yeah, I probably do agree with Robert. I'm, I'm much more team Frank, though. I've, I was sold by him a long time ago. I think he's, yeah, easily the best one, uh, best sort of coach we've had over the last few years. As an individual, I like him. Yeah, uh, that's that's, that's no question. As a person, I'm, 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 I really like his style. Mm. Yeah, no, it's fair to say. Well, another uh, thing that Thomas Frank had to say was talking about the squad and the B team, the future of those young players that we've mentioned, and here's what he had to say. I'm thinking about the future. We've already talked about Ellery Borkham, B-team players coming through. Joe Hardy, he seems to score a lot of goals, but he doesn't seem to kind of get near to the first team. Again, we we all know, you know and I know, that he's obviously got some sort of skill. Does this something that he needs to still be working on to try and get a little bit closer? I think that he's one of those players that uh, need to find another club and maybe hopefully get a breakthrough there. He's a really interesting player, but... For whatever reason, sometimes it doesn't fall out uh, in the way all of us uh, turned over. Now is the situation where I need to to try something else. Uh, but uh, Jens Borg is a fantastic player, which I have a big belief in, and will hopefully get a, b- a big future here at Brentford. And uh, Jakob Oxenen, he he did done really well. Uh, he's just steadied a little bit. But with young players, we know it's not like it's just not like that. Uh, just going up is like you know a little bit forward uh, then a little bit down then a little bit up and then hopefully over time you can go more and more Thomas Frank talking about the younger players then Robin like a dagger to the heart hearing him, him talk in that clip what, why was that for you? It's just um, so Joe Hardy is a player that, um, uh, Brent, the Brentford B team signed him from uh, Manchester City in uh, March 2017 and he's been a player that in the B team has been banging the goals in banging the goals in um, he's drawn the sort of the, the, the love and the adoration of uh, quite a lot of the Brentford faithful um, who sort of attend the, attend the B team games and go to the B team games um, and then, yeah, it was a, it was a slightly unexpected uh, news to find that sort of just point blank that he needs to find another club is what he's been told. Um, the numbers dictate that he should be uh, reserve striker to Ollie Watkins with the number of goals he's scoring. Mm. Um, and as and D- Dave mentioned uh, in the pre-match uh, office slash pub preparation <laughs> zone uh, that um, he you know it wasn't long ago that he was rubbing shoulders with the likes of Jaden Sancho um, and Phil Foden in the was it it was Phil Foden yeah wasn't it? yeah Phil Foden and Sancho yeah and and then suddenly he's not good enough to get into our first team whereas the other, those other players have gone into bigger things it's it's quite interesting as to why that is um, maybe it's the style maybe it's that his maybe it's him as a person I really really don't know but I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite perplexed by that decision really am are you worried then and David I'll ask you that Brentford We'll we'll live to regret this move, this this decision. You know, one of those ones further down the line could come back to haunt them. You know, you go, you you think players aren't going to make the grade, they go on and they drop down, but then they bounce back up and they go, ah, oh, we had him four or five years ago. Uh, uh, well. It- if I'm honest, no, I don't think so. But it can happen. I mean, he could go. That's what he needs. It sounded. That's what Frank sort of said. It sounded like he needs to go somewhere else, refine himself, uh, mm. get back to basics, and uh, fresh start. Yeah, definitely a fresh start. But it was just fascinating listening to Frank. So if you think about sort of body language and what he did. So when he when you mentioned Joe Hardy's name, he sort of was defeated and like sort of. Uh, it was very much like oh gosh, Joe Hardy. And then when he spoke about Zamborek, he just took in a breath and was just like so bold and powerful. And and it's. You, for those two reactions, really, we can see it's they're tired of Hardy. They've obviously been telling him stuff. They're trying to push him on. There's something that he's just not getting over the last year that's not pushing him into the, sort of the senior level. And why why has he not made his why has he not made a debut for the first team? I mean, he's been there long enough. It, our other players are past him now. Young Morganson, uh, um, Day, and I think he's 17. He just looks like an absolute specimen already. And uh, Zambrek, Zambrek's playing in the first team out wide. On like he's, he's sort of playing games. He's uh, he's contributing to the squad. He's younger than him, three years. Younger 
younger. Uh, so you have to ask your questions. Why was Frank so excited when he said Zambrick's name? Is Zambrick giving him the ticks that he what they need to see? Because they're, they're the ones that are experts. They they know exactly what they need. Well, I suppose they they see him in training and they see him on the pitch. The only real mm. the only real way I can advocate for Joe Hardy is that he got quite a few goals for me on FIFA once uh, a couple of years ago. <laughs> on a, not, on a career quite mate. Same, not quite the same. Not quite the same. I'll trust. I'll trust. <laughs> yeah. I'll, tr- I'll trust. I'll trust their judgment over mine. But you <laughs> mentioned one. Thomas how pleased he you know he yeah. seemed to be talking about Zambarek. You what is the what is the ceiling with him? What is the potential there, Dave? Zambarek's a weird one. I I may have pigeonholed him myself. So I look at him. Yeah, I, I thought of him as a sort of a centre midfielder. That's where he's going to break him for maybe like he can play in a ten, mm. number eight position. He can do quite a lot of things. I, I think what we're seeing with him is Frank. I, I don't know if Frank thinks of him as a winger. I, I, I don't know an actual winger in that sense, but someone who can play out wide and sort of retain the ball and and sort of help you get the ball out the pitch. But he's a versatile player. Can do anything. And at eighteen, you look at these kids now. I don't know what they're feeding them. But he just doesn't look like an eighteen-year-old. He looks much stronger, uh, much taller. He's filling out. He's still got growing to do. So he looks really hungry. Is, is mm. what I, is what I noticed immediately. Yeah. He really wants the ball. He every does. single time he does he does so as a position I don't know what his ceiling is I, I mean to me I think you want to play him central I think he's good enough to control games and like, sort of keep uh, keep passes ticking over and he can get a goal as well at the moment I think he's doing a job out wide because he's probably done that previously and he he can hold the ball and sort of give us a little bit of presence up front as well so who knows what his ceiling is? I mean, he could have a big future. You could hear the way Frank talks about him. He's not yeah. he's not messing around. Well, you mentioned Zamborek, and obviously, you know, does he have enough potential there? And talking about midfield and, you know, the competition, obviously, there is a lot of competition midfield. And, and Thomas mentioned someone else, didn't he there, Dave? Uh, yes, I might have just missed that bit. Yeah, it's Jakob Sanen. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, Oksanen, yes yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a young young Finnish player uh, who uh, looks quite good when he's come on. Um, but then sort of he's, he's, he's quite high on him as well. Um, and in a sort of in a midfield where we've got so much competition for places, and we've got some really really strong midfielders in there, they've sort of developed. They're developing really really quickly. The likes of Josh De Silva and um, and Christian Norgard, Cameron Cocho, Drew Yearwood's in and around that mix as well. We've got we've got we've got a, quite a dense uh, set of midfielders. So it's whether or not he can get a run out. Well, never a, a bad thing having too many midfielders, having too much competition. You need squad depth, especially in the championship. Well, we were hearing from Thomas Frank there, and there is still so much to hear. We're going to be talking about. Two Two more clips and things he had to say next. You are listening to the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm joined in the studio with the Besotted Podcast. Well, we were just talking about the players that Brentford have on international duty, hearing audio from Thomas Frank. And still to come, we will be talking to James Tippett, who, uh, from the expected goals uh, philosophy, a game-changing way of analysing football. Very excited to have that chat. I mean, and with Dave in the studio, stats man himself. I mean, the studio is going to be stats. I don't know if if the cameras will show this, but we've had to restrain actually Dave a little bit just so he doesn't get too, too excited I know and I thought that was just because at the sight of seeing me but it was just James Tippett coming on later well we're continuing to hear from Thomas Frank because uh, they did have him on on the podcast let's hear about uh, the Sawyers effect now and, and all will become clear when you hear this I miss him so much I think he's a top footballer and a top personality and I think he was a you know, a fantastic player and person for, for Brentford Football Club. Uh, but I think that he, uh, um, the time was come, he got an offer from his uh, boyhood club, uh, West Brom. So sometimes things like that happened and uh, he got that opportunity and that's what we are all, all about. We give people the, those opportunities. Um, but I also was, um, you know, that moment in time I was pretty, com- I knew that as everybody could see the first 10 games, it will not just be okay, Matthias Jensen, Christian Ergot, or just a silver, they just take over after Romain. Uh, but I knew after, hopefully, 
10, 12, 14 games, they will take over and hopefully be, be good players and over time, you never know if they're actually going to be even better than Romain. But I think this moment in time, there's no doubt that, that Romain is one of the best midfielders. In the- I also think those fans who, you know, love Romain and thought it was a disaster who said uh, goodbye to him, uh, I wasn't here in his first season, but I've been told, and probably the four of you also remember his first half season, maybe full season. There was, As far as I know, he was not particularly praised every single game. Uh, and I think he only got better and better the last two years. So if you take that and I think the, th- the two players, I think they have the, the they are mm, Jensen is the, the, the one who is the most uh, the closest to the type of, of Romain. I think he, have, he, has, he has top potential. There is a reason why Sotovico bought him and, and Ajax, uh, they wanted him as well. So we are watching a player that's been not playing for a year. Um, that's been, you know, captain his under 21 side two years in a row uh, for European Championship. I think he'd be a brilliant player for us. As soon as that clip started, Robin said, oh, he gushes here, you know, nothing but praise. And you was absolutely right. Very fond of him. Where would you say he ranks amongst the other midfielders in the league for you, Robin? I haven't seen a better midfielder than Romain Sawyers wow. in, the past, in the past couple of years at Brentford, playing against Brentford. I can't remember a player who can run a game like him. Uh, maybe not since Ryan Woods for, for Brentford um, but yeah Soyuz is in a class of his own he really is um, I'll confess to being one of those players when he fir- in that first season I wasn't convinced by him he looked a little bit lightweight he looked a little bit like he was scared to put a challenge in his general abil- um, attitude tracking back um, wasn't very very good He compl- and he just showed the, the the benefit of having that time to develop and become a better player and by the time he was our, cap- our club captain and by, by the time he left uh, to move to his boyhood club of West Brom and all the best to him I couldn't wish him any any more success maybe not against us when he plays against us <laughs> but um, yeah hell of a player absolutely brilliant player well uh, fans were quick to criticise and a lot of criticism when he started Dave uh, Robin said he was one he wasn't sure and then he was absolutely sold on him was it the same for you? Uh, no I'm a little bit more yeah a little bit more patient with him I, I really like Soros you could see it early on I was just a keen student of the game you could see what he was trying to do like sort of get in between the lines to keep the ball rotating I, th- I think his progression sort of gone as he's dropped deeper and deeper. So when he first came, we thought of him sort of like a number 10. Then it sort of moved back a little bit as the second person in the midfield. And then last season, he was pretty much one of our deepest players at times, like almost like a six. Because like he was playing false nine and that wide yeah. for us at times. At the yeah, like, yeah. yeah, and as, as he sort of developed, and you always thought like Dean Smith and him had a really good relationship. But it's actually Thomas Frank that probably got the best out of Soros that we've ever seen and took him on to another level completely. But yeah... When you're speaking about the best midfielder in the league, I, th- I think he is now. I think people are starting to realise that that because he played for Brentford before, it was like, okay, he played for Brentford, but now he's at West Brom. People are actually starting to take notice, and the world is kind of watching that because they're probably really highly likely to get promoted. Soyuz is going to be the one who's playing a lot of football, but there's games where he's just dominated Leeds not too long ago. I'm just sort of making like more passes than anyone else in the t- on the pitch. He's just an exquisite, exquisite footballer. But yeah, there's so much he does well, and uh, yeah, we miss him loads. But it's almost got <laughs> taken him going to a bigger club like. West Brom for people to notice that which is really, really that is really frustrating yeah. yeah you know he gets more uh, coverage there but what do Brentford miss most about him then because you mentioned dominating that game against Leeds the passes or is, it, is his technical prowess or his leadership skills Robin uh, I think his leadership has been replaced it's his technical prowess that we're really missing on the pitch at the moment I think the squad is really really tight we've got leaders in it like Den- like uh, Denmark's uh, 
Henrik Dalsgaard, who I uh, just had a bit of a mind blank there, mm-hmm. uh, who's sort of a big a bit of a locker room leader at the moment. Uh, Pontus Janssen's come in massively experienced. Cameron Makocho is still there. I'd, I'd say we've got players that have grown and become leaders quite organically, and we've got a quite a clear club captain in, in Pontus now. Um, it's his technical ability to just 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 find passes that other players wouldn't even dream of attempting, mm. and he makes them look easy. Uh, and that's what we really miss. Yeah, it was that. It's the short players, isn't it? So the intricate play that we're used to, what makes us look Brentford, has kind of been gone with Morpai and sort of saw his leaving and it, we're, we're, we're kind of getting there but it was just these sort of short 10 yard passes 5 yard passes and then it could go long sort of in between a right back and a centre back there was some of the stuff they were doing was just magnificent to watch and we're, we are missing that a little bit we're not as precise in the final third as we used to be we're, we're still getting the ball into that area but nowhere near the quality that we probably were last year yeah so Malpe 20, you know, 28 goals last season sold him mm-hmm. for 20 million Soyuz is twice the, is twice as, as big a miss as Malpe's he's, wow he's huge well obviously a uh, theme of the show as well we, we talk a lot about Josh De Silva are Brentford's fans expectations are they, are they realistic Robin? Mine, mine, well, mine, mine, were, mine were very very high at the start of the, at the start of the season with Jensen coming in and it was that sort of oh he's come from Celta Vigo Josh De Silva oh is he going to develop because he's come from the Arsenal youth setup. Um, they're slowly developing into better players um, and I'm desperately learning and trying to become more patient with uh, these players moving forward uh, in terms of their development Josh De Silva is reaping the rewards of having a slightly more uh, elongated uh, development development into the first team mm. some of the goals he's, he's scored four goals this season all of them out of the box I don't know if you saw the, the one against Wigan I, you know I, it, I, I don't understand how he managed to get it so accurate it was, like a radar, such, it? It, it was literally a, it was a homing missile of a shot it was unbelievable it was um, so yeah, so, so yeah my, my, I think I think Brentford fans uh, myself included need to have a little bit more of a proactive long term expectation of these players a proactive long term well something now we're going to hear from Thomas Frank he, he's, uh, he talks about expecting goals and uh, knowing someone how I do in the studio they may know one or two things about this as well <laughs> there's a lot of these so-called expected goals out there uh, against and for and there's a lot of websites and now apps and and so we don't know exactly how all those uh, providers they actually calculate those uh, expected goals the reason why Matthew Benham earned all his money was because of the clear model and a clear you know way of seeing things in terms of stats and all the all the the money is earned through betting on different you know games is through this model so it's a well-run model and it is 100% different. It's not like uh, we see a game and expected XT was 1.5 towards uh, 0.8. It's not like that massive difference, but there is a difference. It is much more reliable than the one we are using. But that's only one side uh, of, of the way we, we um, adjust our performances. Because for me, performances is we can use the stats to what we want, but it's quite nice to see if you have 25 shots and the opponent have two shots. If you just play that game uh, again, there's a much bigger chance that we win. And now they go more in depth to see, did they take all the shots outside the 18-yard box or did they take all of them inside the box? Okay, then again, you have a bigger chance to win. So I think for me, we use it as performance indicators to actually see and look at our performance calm because also we also like the the fans we also get emotions we also get frustrated we also want to win so it's nice actually to to use a tool to perform every game but also on the longer run because i think that's important well that was thomas frank talking about expected goals but we're going to save our questions because i'm delighted to say james tippett will be joining us next all about analyzing football and expected goals and how that is changing football and we're delighted to say he'll be joining us and we can have a discussion with him next 
we are having far too much fun in the studio. It's because maybe we're just a little bit... There's a little bit of madness crept in. There was no football. We, we don't consider it real football, the international break. But the football returns this weekend. Brentford take on Reading. And you are listening to the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm joined in the studio with the Besotted Podcast. Robin Hood, McMichael and Dave XG Anderson. Talking of X, uh, XG and expected goals, delighted to say now, James Tippett joins us. James, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show tonight. Thank you for giving us a little bit of your time. I know you're a Brentford fan, but I wanted to quickly talk about your book, The Expected Goals Philosophy, A Game-Changing Way of Analysing Football. James, when was it that you first had this idea for a book, and how did you get into talking about expected goals in XG and all of the stats that come with it? Yeah, no, firstly, um, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's great to be here. Um, I first uh, kind of got into XG on my gap here when I was working for Smart Odds, who obviously um, Matthew Bennon's company. Um, yeah, just kind of uh, came across XG by collecting it for them and then uh, went to uni, got into a school football team um, and kind of started trying to explain XG to my teammates, obviously people who've kind of never really heard about it. <laughs> and I'm sure you all know, like, yeah, trying to explain XG to a completely lay man is quite a tough thing to do. And obviously there's lots of great online resources and stuff, but I just thought there was definitely room in the market for a, um, yeah, just like a codified book uh, where people could go and just buy that and have a full expected goals kind of, yeah, manual almost. Awesome. Uh, James, it's Robin here. Thanks very much for joining us. How are you, mate? Good, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Re- I genuinely really, really interested and excited to talk about this because I've done a bit... Um, I've, basically, all I really know of XG is what um, XG Dave has told me. So I'm re- <laughs> really, really dead chuffed that there's a, there's a book coming out by a Brentford fan that I can actually read and, and sink my teeth into. It sounds really, really good. Um, just first things first, before we sort of talk about XG, um, obviously you've written, you've written this book about it. Now, do, as, a, okay. as someone who really sort of buys into the expected goals model and the, the use of data, you're, you, yourself and Dave are far more uh, wedded to it than I am. Uh, do you come under a fair bit of sort of, I don't want to say criticism, but sort of resistance against the whole sort of statistics in football? Um, yeah, a fair bit. Normally the people you engage with are people who are interested in it and who are asking you questions about it and who actually want to talk to you about it. I have had people comment on Twitter the last few days, like, oh, first of all, now XG, like the game's gone and stuff like that. But I feel like <laughs> people like that like, are few and far between, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, don't know, I don't know about your experience these days. Uh, yeah, pretty similar as well, I guess. Um, people, some some people just can't stand it. The idea of it, they, they yeah, they How just absolutely they? hate it. Sorry? How dare they? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. How I don't know who they? they think they are. But no, no, everyone's entitled <laughs> their opinions. Uh, some people see it as sort of ruining the game and, uh, and not not pure and not interesting. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't disagree more. But um, yeah, James, I was just going to say, so this is, your, this is your second book. You wrote The Football Code. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How does this one differ? Like, what's the difference between the two? So, like, you've written the football code that was supposed to be the the, on, the secrets of football, and uh, this this code that you're writing. What's different in this one? So, the first one's more about general prediction making in football. So, it studies how the media are kind of how they're flawed. It looks at general statistical principles that we kind of overlook in the beautiful game, and uh, talks about gambling more wholly and generally. And then the expected goals method. It, it does kind of overlap in certain areas in terms of the theme, but um, it's generally more of a zoomed in focused piece of work purely on the expected goals method and how you can use it to analyze the sport um yeah um just a very quick question now about sort of bringing it back to thomas frank so we just heard a bit of um Mm -hmm. talk uh from the talking frank part two podcast that was released last week um 
So Thomas Frank, sort of uh, the words he used to describe sort of all the statistical help that we get from Smart, that the club gets from Smart Oz and from Matthew Bennett, mm-hmm. as um, he uses the term. I'm going to hopefully I've corrected correctly quoted this performance indicators that are used to help boost players. So with that yeah. in mind, do you think it's a detriment to footballers that um, they that to, or to the footballers at Brentford that there is so much of a focus now on statistics and the underlying performance indicators that we talk about? Um. I don't think it's a detriment. I think that's why I call my book The Expect Goals Philosophy because I really do believe like it is obviously a statistic which you can use to like scientifically analyse football, but it's also a general way of thinking. Like if you watch Brentford kind of their post match podcast or post match interviews rather, like Thomas Frank, whether it be the players or Frank, they all they all talk about chance creation, they all talk talk about justice, like whether whether Brentford actually deserve to win the game or not. Like every single match you'll hear them saying, Oh, we created better opportunities or oh we didn't quite create the chances we wanted and they're not talking specifically about expected goals, but that that's the general philosophy is is talking about performance rather than results and um, yeah, uh, obviously I'm unaware of how they specifically use it in terms of uh, do, do they kind of look at Josh De Silva's shots and go, wow, that he scored from 0.02 xG, or do they kind of use that for under and over performance? But I think, yeah, the general philosophy of Brentford is definitely all geared around that kind of chance creation. Um, yeah, even in even in their kind of post-match interviews as well as in obviously the scouting and stuff, which is quite well documented. Yeah, brilliant. I agree. Yeah, it's kind of like what they're trying to do is strip the luck away from performance. Basically, what is lucky? What's what's noise? Basically, what's signal? Yeah, what's, what's nonsense? That's that's what you can get from all of their, com- their communications. Um, so, James, yeah, really good work on this book. I've actually read it. I was uh, being a little facetious earlier. I've, I've read the whole thing. I think it's really good. I think you're finding <laughs> your voice as a writer. He's angling for a free copy. Yeah, now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it's really heavily improved on your first bit of work. I think it's actually a really good explainer, and uh, yeah, you do a brilliant, yeah, really good job on sort of looking at looking at XG and sort of expected value and a few concepts which are really good but you've worked inside of smart Oz. this is what i think is really interesting you've been sort of inside the beast so to speak mm-hmm. a lot of yeah. so a lot of so a lot of public stuff now we see the sort of experimental 361 who you talk about and um sort of the stats bomb stuff how this is what i think is quite interesting how powerful do you think so you talk about this a bit in the book how powerful do you think the the smart odd stuff is compared to some of this public stuff we're seeing so you briefly touched on it. I don't want you to give away the secrets of the book, but mm-hmm. you know where I'm getting at here, don't you? What what separates the smarter stuff from just the everyday stuff that we're seeing? So I've got to be a little bit careful about how, how much I say, but um, yeah. essentially, um, I think it's kind of it's kind of enough into public public domain now in terms of um, uh, there's there's many different ways you could use expected goals, and that's part and parcel like why the books. Um, kind of chance-based expected goals rather than shot-based expected goals. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a lot of stuff which is wrong with the expected goals method. By no means the perfect, perfect tool. And there's a lot of things which are wrong with each different way of using expected goals. But, um, yeah, looking, looking more at chances and danger, dangerous situations rather than purely shot-based expected goals models, I'd say, is the, the kind of key and the, and the power behind smart tools as method. Cool. Um, I think, yeah, I think uh, what I will say is um, we had uh, Ilias Hatsathiodoridis on a couple of um, years ago on the podcast, and he did mention, use words like percentages and uh, ratios and things like that, so I do think it does filter through. But uh, what I will say is uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to reading it. I think everyone else is really looking forward to getting into it. And if myself and Charlie Hawkins could have a couple of signed copies sent over to Love Sport Radio, that'd be great. Um, Yeah. Well, James, that's what I wanted to quickly ask. Not not about a signed copy, but where can uh, uh, fans uh, find your book so they can get your book and also quickly just to football on the field at the minute what have you made of Brentford so far this season 
Uh, Brentford said five season. I think we've we've come along leaps and bounds. I think this could be the season where it finally all clicks into place. I think earlier in the year we were actually really unlucky with the with the kind of bad form we had, and I think it's almost flipped. It's almost like I think we have been playing well recent re- weeks, but. If anything, XG slightly gone our way with, with, with obviously the Silver's mad goals from outside the box and uh, a few other kind of long range efforts. Ben Rama against Swansea, for instance, and Graham against Swansea. I feel like now, we, now we've kind of had luck turn in our favour a little bit in terms of XG. Uh, in terms of the book, it's just an Amazon, just like, yeah, paperback or Kindles on Amazon. So, yeah, just go there and get it. Oh, we certainly will. James, thank you so much for joining us here. James, thank James, James thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks so much, James. Go buy it. Uh, certainly uh, Dave as he said there please go and buy it support James James Tippett there uh, author of the expected goals philosophy a game changing way of analysing football just very quickly as we near the end of the show the hour has flown by on the Brentford takeover where is it Honestly, gone where, 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 where is it gone it's just, just a game's dream. gone show's gone <laughs> there you go and none of us have got a yellow card although Dave maybe you <laughs> no, no 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 VAR. Dave's got quite a uh, yeah we'll take it to VAR <laughs> we'll take it to VAR just quickly though uh, Robert we have to as is tradition there's a few plugs that we, we need to mention absolutely yeah well we've got um, obviously got Reading on the uh, on the weekend we're very much looking forward to that I think that'll be an absolutely fantastic game uh, and I believe all the guys at um, Bizotted will be talking about that in great depth later on this week so please do check that out uh, Bizotted podcast uh, Pride of West dot London you can also check out the Thomas Frank interviews there part one and two um, review us and, li- and like us uh, our podcast on iTunes Spotify and all platforms and please don't forget to follow us on social media at Bizotted on Twitter and Facebook and also Love Sport as well. Well, you've done that so efficiently. There is still time. I know you normally wait to Thursday, but it is Reading on the weekend. The Championship is back. What are your thoughts and your prediction ahead of this one? Reading newly appointed Mark Bowen. They're in a good run of form, as are Brentford. Yeah, well, I said, I said they've won their last two games. Um, both teams are coming off in an international break. I don't know about how many players they've got um, out on the way, but um, I know that they've got their striker Pushkas, who, when he signed at the start, during the summer, was a little bit of a sort of wow. He's come from Inter Milan. That looks like a bit of a panic buy, but he's actually proved really well. I'm going to say two one Brentford. It's a bit of a classic scoreline, but that's what I'm going with. Ooh, Three points you're taking, yeah, Dave. Not so sure. Uh, I wish I had that confidence. I think we've got to see how we deal with uh, Norgard being out and John Vies, how we sort of rock the boat and tweak that and get through that but uh, t- oh, I'm going to go 2-1 win as well yeah you've convinced me 2-1-2 two, 2-1 one, two. Two, one. yeah 2-1-2 uh, is that the formation or the scoreline <laughs> <laughs> well let's hope it's the scoreline let's hope it's three points for Brentford on the weekend as always this was the Brentford Fan Show as it is every Monday 8-9 you was with me Charlie Hawkins and Robin Hood McMichael and Dave XG Anderson from the Besotted uh, Podcast and also we had James Tippett on the show please check out his book hopefully a bees win on the weekend we can come back Monday and have a very uh, uh, again another positive show are we invited back? You're always invited back. Oh, I could you, do John. another hour with you two. The <laughs> awesome. hour goes far too quickly. Now it goes on a decline because I have to wait another week to see you. But uh, we will see you next week, Monday, 8 o'clock on the Brentford Fan Show. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, 
let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.